Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Max Greenfield is the author of the children's book, I Don't Want to Read This Book. Max is a New York-born actor who is best known for being interrupted by his two beautiful children, Lily and Ozzy, as he writes this bio. Max tries to tell them that this is important and to please leave him alone, but neither child believes this, as they are certain that mommy is the one with the career and daddy just acts silly on TV sometimes. Welcome, Max. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss I Don't Want to Read This Book. I like the title of your show. Thank you. Is there anything you do have time for? I mean, I make time for everything, and yet I feel like I never have time for anything. So I don't have time for here's what here's my question actually okay when you find time for anything are you overwhelmed by it and then accomplish nothing you mean if i actually have like a stretch of time where i don't know what to do with myself or like time off yes often i say out loud what should i be doing now wait a minute i feel like should i do this should i do this should i do this Or if it's like at an appropriate time where I could possibly be doing something like hanging out with my husband or watching TV or something. Yeah. I don't really know what to do with myself. 
I don't know either. It's, it's, a, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. I'll get, I'll be like, gosh, I just, I just need time for me. And then like a random window or an unexpected window will open up and I'll go, this is, this is a nightmare. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Yeah. There's like too much. I'm like, I should go through the kid emails. Holidays are coming up. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how everybody else does it, but I just feel like, yeah, every day I try, I try hard every day and see if I can do it. And then I like give myself a rating sort of at the end of the night where I'm like, did I do okay? I don't know. That's a mistake. I know. (laughs) I'm certainly not going to judge. I mean, it would be terrible. My my ratings would be very low. I doubt that. Well, I have to say that my kids thought it was hilarious that I had this book on my desk. And of, yes, and of course, read it <laughs> and loved it. And they were like, well, why did he write this book? And I was like, well, I will ask him. So why did you write this book? Well, I don't know what your experience has been, but my experience as a parent and as a reader myself, but as a parent first, you know, was going into my kid's room every night before bed and going, okay, let's sit down and read a book. And my daughter, who's very much like me, would have some sort of reason why she didn't want to read each book that I suggested. At which point, a half hour later, I'd be like, well, now it's bedtime and we've read nothing. And so when the opportunity of writing this children's book came around, I thought, well, if I was going to do it, it would be called, I don't want to read this book. And it would be all the reasons why you don't want to read a book in the hopes that your kids might read that book. And it was sort of based on that 30 minute conversation that we'd have. But then when I started writing the book, it really opened up. It opened up to my own experience as a young reader and the difficulties that I had and continue to have. And then it became a much more personal experience for me. And, you know, so I think the book works on a lot of different levels, some very light and fun, and then some, you know, where I think it opens up a real conversation for some kids who find reading to be difficult. Yes. I like how you really lament the role of sentences and paragraphs and, you know, just keeps getting worse. Like how much worse could it be? based, Based on the child's performance, reading the book, I think you can identify if this is a fun book for them or if this is <laughs> if they turn it into a drama you can be like hey so what tell me about how you're how you're reading and what where are you finding difficulty <laughs> so were you not a big reader yourself no i was not at all i'm still i'm still not i'll get scripts and specifically movie scripts where i'll go if i can make it through the first 10 pages somebody's written a masterpiece <laughs> you think it's lack of attention or you think it's like the processing of it like, do you feel like you have dyslexia type of thing? Or do you think... Oh, that- I know I have dyslexia. Okay, okay, sorry. No, please. <laughs> I know it. But for me, what I think happens is, and it's not just like, it's not like I'm like reading words backwards. For me, it's it's a little attention things, but it really is, I have to focus so intensely on what I'm reading to retain any of it mm-hmm. that it becomes such a heavy lift and I can only read small sections at a time. But oddly when like, I really, I love audiobooks, mm-hmm. So I'll listen to an audiobook and I'll get it all and I'll yep. listen to it for hours. It's great. And my daughter's the same way. Like I'll read to my daughter at night. Sometimes if she has a book for school, I'll sit and I'll help her and I'll read a, a big chunk of it. And I'll think to myself while, as I'm reading it, I'm like, you know, this is this is difficult for me. I hope she is listening. And 
it turns out because she's had to do tests for the books that we, I have read, <laughs> she does so well on the tests. So, you know, she ret- what, what she retains through listening is so much more than either of us will get out of actually reading because it's hard work for me. Yeah. I mean, there is a whole field of science around that. <laughs> I know. I mean, don't in feel books, bad about in, it. In books that I won't read. <laughs> it's true. They shouldn't even publish books about dyslexia. I'm like, that's right. It's like, here's a book about, here's a, here's a 550 page book about dyslexia. I'm like, yeah, great. <laughs> I have I have many people with dyslexia in my immediate orbit and you know reading letters backwards is such a misconception and that I wish I don't know where that came from. I, mean, I know it's wild that that's like the definition for people who don't really understand it. I had dinner last night with this fellow mom of a, one of my kids friends or whatever and she said one of her kids has it's the dyslexia for math. Dysgraphia, maybe? or No, dis- maybe. Dis- anyway, now there's a math thing that people are being diagnosed as. So I feel like it's great in one on the one hand, because now you're not... The people who were just always thought they were bad at math, like how interesting to know that there's a reason why, and if they do X, Y, Z, you can fix it. And it's not your intelligence. That's exactly right. I mean, I think the advantage of having the diagnosis, because it's exactly what we talked about before, which is you can get the 550-page book about dyslexia. I'm not going to read it. But the advantage of having the diagnosis of it is that hopefully knowing that it doesn't chip away at your self-esteem and your confidence. And you go, oh, well, there's a real reason why this is hard for me. Yes. And hopefully you get to a place where you say, where you can say, like, and that's okay. Yeah. I do think that so many people, you know, their self-worth comes from how they are perceived in school and growing up. And if all the teachers, if everybody misses it, you just grow up thinking that you're just not bright or you can't do this, that, or the other thing. And it's sort of a tragedy because most dyslexic people go on to be some of the most creative people, actors, producers. My husband's a producer. He's undiagnosed dyslexic, but I, (laughs) you know, I read him. Like if there's a book and I'm like, this is really good. I don't do this as much anymore because I've gotten too busy. So I'm really sorry to him for this. But anyway, I used to like read the books out loud to him at night. And like, that's what we would do. I would like read him. A, I'm like, oh, this is hilarious. Let me read you this chapter. And I don't know. I also think, and I'm totally off topic here of your book, but now I'm just chatting with you. You know, it's really you're hard. On, you're right on topic. <laughs> it's really hard in this email text world, right? Like my husband, Kyle, gets so tired reading all these texts all the time and his brain and his eyes. And like he, by the end of the day, and meanwhile, I'm like, because it doesn't bother me at all. And it's, it's, it's very inconvenient. The adult version of this book is I don't want to read this email. <laughs> Are you going to do that? I should. You should. It should also be this format, though. Like for, totally. for maybe totally. a little smaller, but not not a grown up book. That's so funny. I love that. Yeah. Just be in the, in the subject. I don't want to read this email. Blank. Yeah. You could have a whole thing on texting. You could have a whole, you know, the whole, yeah, folders. Going back to what you were saying, though, I was trying to think, because it sparked something in me. I was like, you were talking about creative people being dyslexic. Yes. And I had it for a second and lost it. It's early. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't have to do this this early. I'm so oh, no. sorry. No. No. Uh, so I remembered it. I had listened to a study that said one of the things that happens right, right around the age of like seven, eight, and nine, right when you're learning to read, is that a child begins to compare themselves. They learn yes. how to compare. It's like sort of hits them where they're like, why? 
hold on, why is that child tall? And I, does that mean I'm short? Yes. And it happens at the exact moment that they're starting to learn how to read. So to be able to look around a classroom and go, they've read two of the Harry Potter books and I can't get through a chapter. What's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. And because there's so little to go on at that point of what on how we sort of tell ourselves what intelligent is, you know, if you can't read like the child who's ripping through the Harry Potter books, you probably think you're not that smart. And your parents might think, and still can be the most loving, wonderful parents, like they can't read. I don't know what's going on. I don't think they're, I don't think they're that bright. And it becomes this whole thing. And, and to me, so much of what this book is trying to do subliminally is take some of the emphasis off of how important we decide reading is at that age. Like you're going to learn to, and if the book, if this was in any other format than a book, I'd say it might be problematic, (laughs) but here's a book that's saying, I I, I don't want to do this. It's hard. I'm, and, and it's written what we, I feel like is an, in an intelligent way where, you know, the writer is not, or the reader rather is not, you know, some infantile child. This is an intelligent who's saying, these are the reasons why I don't want to read this book. And I think I make a pretty compelling argument. And it's to just take some of the air out of the balloon. It's like, look, man, we're reading, we're all going to figure out how to read, but we're going to do it at our own pace. And there's going to be children who are going to do it very quickly and are going to be incredible at it. And then there's some people who, you know, in their mid twenties are going to go, I think I, you know, I think I'm getting a hang of this. I figured, <laughs> I, figured, I think I know how this works for me. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I think you're right about the social comparison and that's also the age when anxiety sets in. So I think yeah. double whammy of like 
you're comparing yourself and you're like, wait, now I'm short and I can't read or whatever it is. And so then you're anxious about it. And then it comes. Well, yeah. Why do you think? I think that's probably why the anxiety creeps in. Yeah. Well, apparently it's like that's developmentally when it happens. But forget all that. I'm not a scientist. I'm not. I I won't read the reports. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. So does it affect your writing? Like, did you sit down and write this whole thing? Like, or is it more for you in reading? And tell me like what it was like writing this book. Yeah, sure. Well, it takes me, there's another book that's called I Don't Want to Write This Email that is a drama for me. (laughs) Because I think that's definitely how it affects me in terms of like how dyslexia affects me in terms of organizationally, putting words together and shaping sentences and paragraphs. It is a nightmare. (laughs) Yep. And that's why, so when they came to me about sort of the way the book came to be was it was in the very beginning of the pandemic and I was homeschooling my daughter and we started posting some videos and stuff on Instagram that got a lot, that got a a big response and people loved them. And it was really nice. And we were doing it basically because we were so overwhelmed and terrified. And so we sent these videos out and then we were getting these responses from first responders and from teachers who were saying, these videos are keeping us going. And then we, we were like, <laughs> Lily and I were like, this is so much pressure. <laughs> <laughs> but so we were doing that. And, and, and I had an agent who reached out to me at the time. who was like, it, what you're doing is so wonderful. And we love the relationship between you and your daughter. And like, we think there's something here. Is it a podcast? And I was like, it's definitely not a podcast. I can't talk for that long. And so then they said, well, what do you think it, it might be a book? And I go, well, I cannot write a real book. And it's come up since after having written this book, like, well, what if we ex- extended it and you wrote, and I said, I, on a good day, you might convince me that it's a good idea. But when I actually try to sit down to do it, this is going to take me 15 to 20 years. <laughs> and I'll still be like, I don't know. So organizing words is tough for me. Then he brought up the idea of, well, what about a picture book? And I said, I think I actually can make sense of that. And it really is the perfect format for me because 40 pages, this format really makes sense because I can move words around and I can play with it in a way in that smaller space that feels very doable. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, I still think you should do the email book and (laughs) maybe that won't take you that long. I feel like I'm tempted to like, you know, do it and like send it to you. And you could just like use, I'm like, use this. (laughs) That's funny. So how, and did you get paired up with the illustrator? Yeah, I got, it was a really wild process. You know, I pitched this idea to to an agent and he said he was going to take it out. And I thought, "Mm, that's a bummer that that's, nothing's ever going to happen with that. And then a couple of days later, he was like, Penguin would like to make the book. And this was the, I had written some screenplays and some other things that had very different responses. <laughs> I'm still waiting to hear on those. So all of a sudden we were tasked with writing the book. And then writing the book was this incredibly rewarding experience. I didn't write it with my daughter, but she was certainly a part of the writing process. Her friends were a part of it. Again, it was right in the middle of the pandemic. So like there was a small group of kids in our neighborhood who would go on these bike rides and come back to our house and sit on the front lawn and I would read them drafts of the book and I'd go like, and? And they go like, it's okay. (laughs) What about this part? And so 
it was great and we had so much fun doing it. And then you give that over and you find an illustrator that you think you might that might be right for it. And that illustrator then goes off and does whatever they want to it and makes it, you know, and visually brings it to life. And I thought, you're going to really just have to let this go and let it become what it's supposed to become at this point. And we were so lucky to get Mike and he exceeded every expectation of what I imagined this book would look like when it came to life. It's so cool. It It really is. He just, because it's, it's. The only thing I was really adamant about was it needs to be very, it needs to be readable. Yes. You know, I want this to be a book that kids read. And when we, when we got to this part where it says chapter two, I still don't want to read this book. All of a sudden my daughter was like, what? It's a chapter book. And I was like, no, it's a joke. (laughs) It's okay. Keep reading it. You're not reading a chapter book right now. (laughs) Uh, no, the illustrations are amazing. They're amazing. It's really awesome. I actually have a children's book coming out in April from Penguin, also from uh, Oh, right on. Penguin Random House. It's called Princess Charming, about a girl who can't find her thing, and then she realizes her thing is that she never gives up. Sort of loosely based on my daughter. So I'd l- wait, tell me what she. Wait, what's the what's the? It's twist called. Of the Pri- end? It's called Princess Charming. There is actually another twist, but I won't give it away. But it's about a girl who can't find her thing, and then she realizes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That her thing is that she never gives up. Oh, I love that. That's cool. Yeah. But it's like based on like this movie star comes to the palace and da da da. da. Anyway, it's kind of funny, but <laughs> yeah. But I I didn't know how to write a picture book either, and my editor was like, "Okay, I'm going to draw you a little picture on like how many pages." And literally on a scrap of paper, she was like, "Here are the boxes." And I found it like really hard versus writing. Like it's much faster for me to write like long than to pick the right words. So I think it's a skill. Oh, yeah. This to me, I, it felt like it felt a little bit like writing a song. And now, mind you, I've never written a song. <laughs> <laughs> but if you were going to, it would be like this. But it felt like this as opposed to, you know, this. And making it all sort of one. And the first page needs to relate to the last page. It was, it was just yeah. great. I had so much fun doing it song, a poem, whatever. Yeah. And my kids, sure. by the way, like you, they have written this. We have a second one coming out. So I like let them write the whole thing. So now they have like crazy characters like Rainbow, Theophilus, or I don't even know. So now my editor's like, oh, that's cool. about that second book. And I was <laughs> like, she's yeah. like, your kids have something to do with that. And I was like, maybe. <laughs> so might need some edits. I love it. I need some edits to that, but, and in terms of like your real job and stuff, like what are you working on? What's your acting situation now? Are you on something currently? I'm trying to just, trans- I'm trying to transition it to solely children's books Okay. and just do those forever. I had so much fun doing it. No, I'm currently working on the neighborhood on CBS, which is in its fourth season and going really well. Yeah. Awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. So do you have any parting advice if anybody else out there was going to attempt to write a children's book? Oh, God. Well, I mean, it would be the same advice I give to to anybody who's doing anything creative is to, you know, look at your own experience and pull from that. And it's very easy to write and create when you're doing so out of your own experience and what's truthful to you. I've made the mistake of you know, thinking something's a good idea with having no <laughs> no experience space in that area at all and just banging my head against the wall and being like this. I think this is a really good idea, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but I think, you know, like this book was, was such a wonderful thing to write because I just, it was, it was easy. It was based on my experience, again, not only as a parent, but as a reluctant reader myself. And I think it's probably like the most honest and true content that I've ever produced. Amazing. Well, yes. And anything that can help that sort of selection issue late at night when nobody can find the right book and everything seems wrong. And even the book that was like two minutes before they wanted to read and then they changed their mind and you're never going to get them to bed. Having this in the the toolkit is, is a welcome addition. So thank you for that. Totally. All right. Well, Thank you for all your time today. This was really fun. Sorry, I yeah, feel like thank it just you. Like became like a conversation. But anyway, I had a great time. <laughs> anyway, thanks for the book. And we will be reading this even though we don't want to. So Awesome. Thank you. All right. Take care. Good luck yeah, with you school. Too. Okay, right. bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.